it wasn't until I stepped back and said, this is not working for me at all. Like I am a ghost in my own business. And then I went back to those principles of what are my values? What do I stand for? How can I express them in my work? That is when things really changed for me. Welcome to On Your Terms with Erin King, a show about living a life you truly love. Here's Erin. Well, happy new year, Success Magazine fam. I'm so pumped because we are talking all about how you can discover clarity around your game plan, your mission, your vision, your values, and your identity for 2023. Today's guest is the perfect person to help us kick off this year because Lee McDonough is the founder of Coach With Clarity. She is the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Act On Your Business, Braving the Storms of Entrepreneurship, and creating success through meaning, mindset, and mindfulness. Lee helps all professions discover how to combine their talents, experience, and intuition with a powerful coaching methodology. Her goal is to help others create meaningful, flexible business models that serves their people and supports their families without selling their souls. She's also the host of the Coach with Clarity podcast and spent over a decade as not only a clinical social worker and public health professional, but she has also been credentialed as a coach through the International Coach Federation. Her Coach with Clarity framework fuses meaning, mindset, and mindfulness with grounded intuition and a solid business strategy to help us excel at entrepreneurship and transform our lives. And in today's conversation, honestly, that's exactly what Lee does. We talk about how to create goals that matter for 2023, how to evolve our identity without looking at things through such a binary lens and how to be both gentle and strong with ourselves as we charge into this year intentionally, mindfully, and just chock full of all the positivity and promise that we all desire so deeply. So friends, without further ado, please listen to my episode with the one and only Lee McDonough. Hello, everyone. This is Erin King, and welcome. I'm so psyched because today's guest is probably the perfect individual. Not probably, definitely the perfect individual to help us kick off with a bang. Her name is Lee McDonough, and she is the CEO and founder of a company called Coach with Clarity. Lee, I think this time of year, we are all so psyched because for those of us that work in personal development year round, this is kind of our our hallelujah sweet spot where the whole world is talking all things personal development. So I don't know about you, but January is my all time favorite month for this specific, very selfish reason. Tell us about how you have been approaching 2023. How is your new year starting? And welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be your first guest of the year. And I'm really excited to talk about fresh starts because that is what the new year is all about to me. I mean, the truth is, we know any day can be our personal New Year's Day. Any day can be a fresh start. But there is something really exciting about tapping into that collective energy of a new year and starting over and starting new. And I've really been riding that wave, actually, for the last week or so, just having a, a very thoughtful, intentional, slow introduction to the year and spending a lot of time thinking about not just what I want to accomplish this year, but how I want to accomplish it and the energy and the feelings behind it. 
this year more than ever before, I feel like that's even more important, the how we approach the work versus the what and the goals. And so that's how I'm approaching this year so far. Mm, talk dirty, Lee. I love it so far. I am <laughs> tracking with you 100%. So, so I love this. So tell me where you stand in terms of, I feel like there's sort of this Instagram debate that's raging right now, because for so long, it was always about new year, new us, you know, goal setting, vision boards, word of the year. And I've sort of noticed this vibe on social media. I don't know if you've seen this in your newsfeed as well, where there's this whole backlash where everyone's yep. kind of saying like trashy resolutions, two thirds of us don't keep them by week three anyway. And so, you know, I'm personally, I'll just, I'll go first. I full disclosure am a monster fan of a good 2023 goal setting. I love a vision board. I, I anchor on my word for the year so hard. I literally make it a sign. It's post-it notes. It's my, my reminders on my phone. It's my passwords. Like I love just starting out with this very clear grounding game plan, whether or not I stick to it hundred percent throughout the year, to me, it doesn't matter as much as just getting off on the right foot. So where do you stand in the great debate of do we, or don't we? I suspect we probably have a very similar outlook. And I have been seeing that on my Instagram feed as well. We have the people who are like, get planning and get yourself set for 2023. And then we have the people who are like, yeah, no, let's not do that. <laughs> Anytime I see either or, Anytime I see we start falling into that binary way of thinking, mm. my inclination is to look for another way. Is there a third or fourth or fifth way that we could be approaching this? And so I think I'm probably someone who falls in the happy medium. I love a good calendar and a schedule. I know already, generally speaking, what I'm launching in 2023, when it's happening. And I'm approaching that with a sense of holding it loosely, allowing it to guide me rather than dictate what it is I have to do and building in flexibility to my plans, to my goals. So that if I need to pivot, which inevitably I do because life happens and you know, we got to roll with it. I've built in that capacity to flex when I need to. So like you, I have my word of the year. It's posted in my bathroom on my mirror. Um, I've got my plan. And also I'm approaching this from a place of gentleness and creating space for whatever magic wants to make itself manifest in 2023. Mm, I love that. Are you a Libra, by the way? I am not, believe it or not. Oh, I'm a Pisces rising, but Pisces, um, okay. oh. yes. And Gemini sun and moon. So, okay. Okay. That's yeah. a very California question. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> staying on track. I'm like, it's, I love the balance. So, okay. So let's talk about that. So, so for those of us that are kicking off this new year and we have done sort of the baseline work as someone, and we heard in your intro about all of your incredible coaching capabilities, but tell us as someone who coaches coaches, how should we be thinking about not just our own game plan for 2023, but how should we be approaching our intentionality around our clients? And, and, and where, how do we, what's the first step, I, I guess I would ask, to getting them teed up for success at a space and time where it can feel very overwhelming, especially if you didn't make the greatest choices the last six weeks, raise his hands, feeling very puffy and poor at the moment. You know, I went for all the carbs, 100%. I went for all the wine, I yes. overbought all the gifts. And guess what? I regret not a bite, not a sip, not a Prezi. I regret none of it. It was awesome. It was a great reset. And as I told you, today is my very first day back 
at work, back in the studio. My brain is mush, but I feel so joyful and so rich in spirit. And so for those of us who are listening to this and feeling a little bit like, gosh, I feel behind or I need to get back to where I was in November or sort of that all the things overwhelm. Mm -hmm. How do you coach your clients to sort of take that first step for themselves and then secondarily for their clients? Yes. First off, I love, by the way, that you don't regret a single bite or drink or decision that you made. I, that is just such a liberating way to view it. And yes, maybe now in January, we need to do a little reset, but like, let's really enjoy ourselves and live in the moment in the holidays. And so I love that you've done that. And actually that kind of connects to your question, because whenever I'm coaching my clients, whether they are just starting their coaching businesses, whether they're pivoting, whether they've got a new offer, we always start from a place of connecting with your identity specifically what matters most to you. Before I was a coach, I was a psychotherapist and I practiced from an approach called acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT for short. And at the heart of ACT is this idea of valued living so that whatever decisions we make, whatever choices we make, they are in alignment with our values. And our values are simply an expression of who we want to be, how we want to show up in the world, how we want to live our lives. And so whether you are making New Year's resolutions or intentions, whether you're trying to get back in the flow, I think it's so helpful to have that first step of our of our reset be, okay, let, let me touch back with my core values. What really matters most to me right now? Have my values shifted at all? Are there, are there new opportunities that I wanna kind of pull into this? But I think once we're really clear on our driving forces, what motivates us, what we wanna stand for, it's from that point that we can then decide, okay, that's the value, how do I wanna express it? And that's the point from which we can start talking about goals and plans and actions. But I think before we get to that point, we gotta be really clear on what matters most to us. Mm. So did you have an identity shift from psychotherapy to coaching? How did that transition occur for you? Is that is this the exercise you went through where you said, my values are shifting, my, my identity is shifting? How did you make that transition? That's the activity I partially went through. I made that transition almost seven years ago. Okay. And what I found is that the act of connecting with clients and supporting them, that felt very familiar, the therapy to coaching piece. What was brand new to me was that entrepreneurial piece of starting my own business, of stepping into that CEO role. And I went through a really difficult, to be quite honest with you, about 18 months because there was this part of me that was so connected to my identity as a therapist that I kept telling myself, if I am going to give this up, if I am going to move into coaching, then I have to make this work. And so rather than anchoring my business decisions in my values, quite honestly, I was anchoring them in a place of desperation, of fear mm. of, oh my gosh, is this going to be okay? And so I really spent the first 18 months creating a business that didn't look like me, didn't feel like me, didn't sound mm. like me in an effort to create that success that I thought I was supposed to look like. It wasn't until I stepped back and said, this is not working for me at all. Like I am a ghost in my own business. And then I went back to those principles of 
what are my values? What do I stand for? How can I express them in my work? That is when things really changed for me. So I really wish in hindsight, well, I want to take that back. Part of me wishes in hindsight, I had started from that point, but I also feel like I needed that rocky journey to reaffirm just how valuable and important this is. And now I feel like it's my mission to help people shorten that period of time where they're feeling lost and unsure in their own businesses. If I can, if I can save someone from spending 18 months searching the way I did, then and I feel like I've done my job. Okay. I love this so much. So do you feel like we can actually circumvent those 18 months? Because you literally just described the exact 18 months that I experienced when I started my speaking business five years ago, when I transitioned from being a CEO with a huge team, I had 25 W2 employees. I was stressed to the max. I made the most money I've ever made my entire life. And I was effing miserable. And then we were in Vegas at a trade show. And one of our clients was like the social media speaker. We used to do social media for like large trade shows and events for, you know, big Vegas trade shows. And one of the speakers missed their flight. She was supposed to do social media talk. They had 250 people in a breakout room. And she's like, can you go up there and just talk about what you guys do? I remember literally like peeing my pants, freaking out, full sweat through the spanks, Amy Cuddy power pose in the bathroom. And then I went up there and just shared my truth who I knew to be true. And that's when my speaking business, you know, afterward, everyone's like, can you come, you know, so it kind of built itself. And that was five years ago, but making that transition, long story long, those first 18 months, 100%, I was a ghost in my, I love that phrase. I was a ghost in my own business. I was trying to look and sound and be like what I thought a speaker or an author was supposed to look like. And what's interesting is you know, in, in my most recent book, I talk a lot about this concept of caping up so you don't cop out. And it's this idea of borrowing someone else's superpower just until you find your own. And I think for a lot of us starting out, when we do feel insecure about this new identity, I think it's super, it's very natural for us to turn and look at who we'd like to emulate and whose career seems like maybe it might feel good for us and who we admire. And, but it's, it's a fine line, right? Because borrowing someone's identity until you find your own is different than becoming someone else's journey. And so I love that you kind of called that out. Do you think that that's just part of the standard, how to find who we want to be? Is, is there a way to really circumnavigate that process of discovery? I don't think there is a way to circumnavigate it. And I'm also not sure we want to. Because when you think about how we humans are wired, we are born with the capacity to model other people's behaviors. I mean, even as infants and toddlers, that's how we learn. We're watching our caregivers, our peers. We're adapting our behaviors based on what we see and the feedback we get. That's how we're wired. So yeah. it makes total sense that both you and I, and I'm sure a lot of people listening right now, look to other people, other aspirational figures and are like, oh, okay, let me see if I can do this the way they do. It's, mm -hmm. it's modeling. And on one level, that's really healthy because we can learn and we can grow. We can adapt. I love how you described kind of borrowing that identity and keeping up that really resonates with me. I think what happens sometimes though, is then we get stuck in this identity that we've adopted mm -hmm. versus one that we've created. And so I think the invitation then is to figure out, okay, at what point do I move from modeling and seeking inspiration from others into who I really am and how I want to show up in my business and in my life. And 
how can I still carry these, this external knowledge that I've gained from others and marry it with my internal knowing so that I'm really showing up as me, not some watered down version of someone else, but as me. Mm-hmm. And so I know for me, I needed to have some of those rocky moments in order for that lesson to hit home, which is why I'm not sure we want to like try to try to bypass it. But I think if we can shorten the duration of time that we're in that uncomfortable place and we can figure out how how to navigate through that so that we can stay connected to our core identity, that I think is the magic. That's Mm -hmm. and that's what I love to do in coaching. Mm, It's so well said. So look at this new year, if we are feeling the tug to maybe it's not fully reinvent again, to your point, I love that you, you kind of called out this, this tendency towards a binary solution, which we all know is not real life as humans. We want good versus evil. We want bad or good. And it's like life is gray and messy and complex. So if we find ourselves looking to evolve or make over our identity in this new year, a few clicks, what would you say to someone who is struggling to, to sort of acknowledge that, to really look in the face of this version of themselves that maybe either it was pre-pandemic them, either it was immediately post-pandemic them, or even if it was 2022 them, where maybe they tried something on and there's this element of, well, gosh, you know, I couldn't do it. So I was a failure or, oh, here we go again trying something new. Like there can be sort of this heaviness, I think, around allowing ourselves, not permission, but authorizing ourselves to chart a new course, to test and learn from new elemental moments of this identity. So what would you say to someone who as a coach in particular is kind of struggling with releasing those old versions and shedding those old layers and, and sort of feeling sort of, I guess, brave enough to step into what's next? The first thing I would suggest is before we rush towards trying to shed those old selves and move past it, let's actually take a little time and connect with those old selves Mm. and remember what it is we've learned, what it is our past selves have taught us. I'm sure I know for me, I look back on some of my past selves and I'm like, Ooh, that's mm. a, I, w- I wish I'd made different choices or that's Same. not really representative of how I wanted to be right. Yeah. That's human nature. So for me, it's a lot about mining those experiences for the wisdom. It's about offering myself forgiveness for any decisions or actions that I took that I wish I hadn't. And it's from that place of of forgiveness that I think is the key that unlocks the ability to move forward in a place of, okay, now I can step into who I want to be and how Mm. I want to act. So compassion, certainly forgiveness. And I want to be really clear because I know forgiveness can be a really touchy topic, especially when Mm. we're talking about forgiving other people and maybe people that have caused trauma or really harmed us. While I think forgiveness can be a really powerful tool, it's meant for the self. Okay. It's, it's meant to unlock yourself from any burdens or pain that you are experiencing. And so for me, I prefer to focus on self-forgiveness and the ways that I can offer my younger self compassion and understanding. Uh, I contextualize 
the situation. And I kind of give myself the benefit of the doubt and say, you did the best you could in that situation, given what you knew at the time, you might make different decisions now. And you would do that in part because you've had this experience. So let's express gratitude. Let's forgive. Let's release. And now let's talk about where you want to go from here. Mm, Oh my God. I love this so much. It's interesting because I love how you just basically called out that this lack of, or this sort of step skipping psychology where we're always moving on to the next year, to the next goals, to the next, to the next, to the next. And we assume that the reason we reviewed our 2022 goals and standing here 365 days later, immediately the feeling is like, God, I suck. Like, why didn't I do this? Why am I so weak? Why am I lacking discipline? You know, and it's such a self-flagellation exercise. And we think by like, by crucifying ourselves over it, that that's going to expunge it from our existence. When in fact, to your point, it's quite the opposite. Without that self-forgiveness, without, like you said, that younger self-compassion, without releasing that regret, we're just, we're not clearing the block. And we're just setting ourselves up to, no matter how high the goals, no matter how pure the intentions, we're setting ourselves up to just play the same record over and over. I mean, I have never thought about it like that. I'm always focused on what's next. And I love this idea of sort of looking back and saying, okay, where did we fall short? Air quotes. What was the failure? Air quotes. And then what did we learn? And can we have the the self-compassion to let it go? I mean, yeah, without clearing that way, maybe that's actually the block more so than lack of discipline, lack of willpower, you know, lack of clarity. And I don't think people talk about that enough. That's really interesting. I think you're right. I I think it's actually a radical act to slow down and do that type of reflection because we're in a society that is focused on productivity, on getting more, doing it faster. We're looking for hacks, all sorts of things. And so we are moving on to the next thing, to the next thing. So to slow down and to pause and take a meaningful moment to do that kind of work, I think is pretty revolutionary. And it's certainly to me, at least the energy that I hope to bring to it, it it feels less punitive. I mean, I think about the resolutions I used to make at the new year and they almost felt punishing, you know, Mm. like lose this weight and do all this stuff. And it felt like you are not good enough. You are not worthy enough until you do these things. So you have to do them in order to gain approval, success, love from others and from the self. Mm -hmm. And that just is not a pleasant way to experience life. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do it that way. So like I have a, I have a personal word of the year and a professional word of the year and my Ooh, personal, I like that. yeah, it, I haven't always done that, but this year that just called to me and my cool. personal word of the year is gentle. I just mm. want to approach things from this place of gentleness. And what does it look like to be strong and gentle at the same time? Mm. And so for me, compassion, forgiveness, valued living all falls under this umbrella of gentle and just creating space, spaciousness just feels really good to me this year. And so this idea of starting the year off with reflection and forgiveness, and then allowing that gentleness to kind of flow into whatever it is you want to create in 2023, that feels good for me. I love, that is so good. I love, I love the juxtaposition of traditionally masculine and traditionally feminine energies. And I love that you're bear hugging the two and saying, "Mm -mm, you're going to coexist. You're going to make it work. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so good, Lee. It's so good. No, I, I really, I think that's really powerful. First of all, I love the idea of a personal and professional word. I've never heard that. So I love that new take because I feel like my word really is more professional and I would love to have a secondary word. So I'm going to take that from you if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, and I also like the this, you know, we, we look at resolutions and we think they do have a little bit of that negative vibe. And so it's funny, I was talking to one of my girlfriends yesterday and we were setting our goals and we said, okay, like what are our five resolutions for the year? And we, we were laughing because we said, okay, let's just agree that getting healthier and getting wealthier are just like, those don't even count. Like, let's just put those aside. Like, cause that's just, that's just par for the course. Like everyone wants to just get fitter and, you know, bigger bank account, like duh. So those two aside, because when you make those over and over every year and you stay kind of the same size and hopefully your bank account grows, but maybe some years it doesn't, let's just agree. Those don't even count. So we started laughing. Okay. So what are, what are the actual three? And it's interesting when you remove your personal health journey, when you remove your personal fiscal journey and you ask yourself like, well, what's left that secondary layer, I think opens up a whole other can of worms, especially as coaches. Right. I could not agree more. And, and I love that you're kind of treating health and wealth as givens. Like, yes, of course we're going to have those goals, (laughs) but let's go deeper. And Mm. I didn't think about it in those words, but I think you articulated the way I approached my 2023 year intention setting as well. Because when I think about the things I want to do, and it stems in large part from the fact that in the past few years, my word of the year has always been professionally driven. All of my goals have been about my business. And in part, it's because I love my work and I love Mm. what I do. And at the same time, I realized even though I love it, there was a sense of imbalance between how much time and energy I was spending on my work versus other areas that were important. Mm. And so that's why I chose two words this year to remind myself, like, it's not all about work. There are other things you want to explore. I mean, one of my resolutions is to read for pleasure five days out of seven each week. Love, love that. You know, because every book I'd read was like business and and even self-improvement. But it's like, when was the last time I really just read good fiction? Mm -hmm. I really immersed myself in the story. And that is such a pleasurable experience for me. And for me, there's a link between pleasure and profit. If I'm suffering through my life and I'm not enjoying myself, it's going to be reflected in my bottom line. Mm -hmm. But if I'm doing other things to kind of enrich my experience, that's going to carry over into my work. And I'm going to certainly see higher profits, but I'm also just going to feel more fulfilled in general. Okay. Let's talk about this. Um, The connection between vibe and value. I forget how you just phrased it. Something like that. It is so true. I mean, how many of us are in meetings and conversations and there's a scarcity vibe, a grumpy vibe, an unhappy vibe, an overworked vibe. And no matter their accolades, no matter their influence, no matter their offer, everything in you at a physical, intuitive level is repelled. And so how interesting to think that if there isn't, oh, you said pleasure and profit. If there isn't that pleasure, we see the decrease in that profit. And I love that you're a bibliophile as well. I spent all of December reading fiction books because to your point, I always feel like, how dare I? ever think I have the luxury at this pace of running a seven figure business to spend time reading anything that is not improving my mind. Right. I think what's interesting there is when we look at this idea of, of how we are balancing the pleasure in our life, the everyday moments 
and the resulting profit that that drives. That is a conversation that I don't know any high performance coaches that really focus a ton of time. They'll say, hey, you know, carve out, make make sure you take your you time or get to the gym or take an hour. Which, but I don't know. That's That's just like one moment of respite from the storm. And I think what I'm hearing you say is how do we architect more of the more of an everyday baseline joy versus this one moment where we shelter from the storm. That is exactly right. This was largely inspired actually by my winter holiday. So my family used to live in Germany. My husband was in the Air Force and we were stationed over there for four years. We left in 2015 and we were able to go back to Germany and Belgium and England for the first time in seven years. And it was amazing. Cool. And I had a great time. And what I noticed was when I would go into like restaurant bathrooms, in Germany or Belgium, or even, even in England next to the soap, there was always hand lotion. And I Mm. always took a minute to put hand lotion on after I washed my hands. And I was just thinking to myself, this is the little luxury that I don't always think to incorporate into my day. Just the act of like hand lotion, for goodness Mm -hmm. sake. And so I came home and I bought hand lotion and there's now hand lotion at every single sink in my house. (laughs) Really as a reminder to look for those little luxuries every day, even if it's something as simple as, you know, sparkling water or hand lotion, whatever it is for you. But I feel like when we incorporate those little luxuries into our day, they're not just mood boosters. They remind us of why we are doing all of this work in the first place. And instead Mm -hmm. of waiting until we accomplish some big goal and then having this huge splurge moment, what if we just kind of had these little micro celebrations throughout and so that kind of feeds into this idea of gentle living for me. And, and that's, that's what I'm going to be exploring this year. Mm, I love this. So good. Okay. So your expertise, quick little pivot here, your expertise is coaching coaches and helping them to build their communities, build their offers, tap into their intuitive mission and uncover their purpose. Is that essentially kind of how I would sum up essentially your business, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So For the coaches that are listening that are diving into this year, let's say that they are at a position where they are feeling, what I hear from a lot of my friends that are coaches is there is this perception that the coaching industry has become, because of Instagram and social media, so saturated that it is, it's ignited this feeling of scarcity, which is a completely manufactured narrative because you and I both know we wouldn't be making Mm -hmm the incredible lifestyles that we've been fortunate enough to make, if that was true. We're just inventing it in our minds. However, it is true that there are a lot more coaches today than there were last year, year before. So what would you say to the coaches that are listening that are sort of feeling like they're already defeated before they got started? Like the ones that are feeling like, gosh, you know, should I be in this business? You know, am I late to the party? You know, is, is my dream client really out there? Can I really do this? Or is it time to get serious about, you know, air quote, about a job that maybe is a little bit more suited to my hard skill set? Or gosh, there's a recession coming and all these just imposter syndrome, motivation stealing scenarios they're playing out in their minds. What do you typically say to coaches that come to you as sort of that, that defeat before they even get started? Yes, I love this topic. Oh, it's so juicy. First off, I 
start from a place of normalizing that feeling of scarcity, because even though, and you and I can have a whole talk about why scarcity mindset is manufactured, it's also protective, like on a very instinctive level, like our brains are designed to keep us safe and to be a coach and put yourself out there and run your own business often goes against that core desire of safety. And Mm. so then when we see all these things out there that reinforces this idea that it's scary, it's bad, we shouldn't do it, then that scarcity piece comes in even more strongly. So it's understandable why we have that reaction. We don't need to beat ourselves up about it. We don't need to shame ourselves. We need to just see it for what it is, an understandable, almost biological reaction. And then from that point, we can decide do I want to let that part of my brain lead the way, or do I want to pivot more towards what's possible? Because I agree with you that even though there are a lot of coaches out there and don't think we've hit saturation in the market yet, but we're, we're definitely seeing more out there. There's still a place for really good coaching. Mm. Coaching that is informed by solid ethical practices, coaching that centers the client, coaching that inspires rather than dictates. There are ways that we can approach the practice of coaching itself. And there are ways that we can approach how we talk about the work we do. So basic marketing that sets us apart. And once we understand what that differentiating factor is, and it's, it'll be different for each person because that's, you know, that's the differentiation piece. But once we understand what that is, and we allow that to lead your message, and we position your work around that, then all of a sudden, that scarcity piece kind of drops away because nobody's doing what you're doing exactly the way you're doing it. It's so well said. And, and I think for many of us who, who look at our, our stories and our journeys, I think the longer that you are in the coaching space, uh, the more it's interesting. You, you think that in this industry, the longer you spend in it, the more the more experience, the more expertise, the, the more confident, the less imposter syndrome. But what I have found to be true with a lot of my friends that work in this space as well is the more we spend time in it and we spend time with all of these brilliant individuals and the more we level up with just the relationships that we're blessed enough to meet, the more we actually get more insecure because we realize how much we don't know. And, you know, what I mean? it's almost like the more we know, the more we don't know. And so I think it's, it's it's sort of a, a catch 22 where we have to remind ourselves that to your point, that there is a place for our story that no one's teaching the methodologies and the no new ideas exactly the way we are through our individual lens. And that our experiences and the journeys that we've been on, maybe they aren't about being big enough. They're just about being exactly what that person needed to hear. And, and and it's a bullseye for the right clients. And I think that that's more important than big and broad and scale is like specific and true and transformative. And so I, I just, I love this, this reminder that, I mean, I don't like love this phrase, but the, but the cream kind of rises to the top that, 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 that the, the, the true experts that coaches that are, are, are coming from a, a heart of servant leadership that are shining forth with, with a, a, a relentless focus on assistance and not accolades, that it's just inevitable that they are going to capture whatever market share feels right for them and feels successful for them. But it sure is easier said than done sometimes, I think, especially <laughs> as at this time of year, as we really try to look at, you know, could I do that? Could I 
be that person? Could I, you know, I think a lot of the visualization piece at this time of year in January is so tricky because there's sort of that line where you're like, is this a dream or is this a delusion? Like, what is the line? Right. You know, yes. and, and everyone's like, you can't dream too big. You, know, you can do anything, but you're like, but seriously, like in 12 months, <laughs> like <laughs> what is the line between dream and delusion? So how, how do you coach your clients around getting clarity on, on sort of how big to go or how big to, to shoot for? I am someone who likes to dream big and likes to encourage my clients to do so as well with the understanding that this is meant to be almost like a, a, a guide, a, a lighthouse, if you will, not necessarily the end all be all. And when we hold that vision and we hold it loosely, so we don't get too attached to the outcome. We don't feel like if I don't achieve this vision, I'm a failure. But if mm -hmm. we just hold it loosely and we allowed it to guide our actions, then regardless of what happens, we're going to be okay. Even if our vision winds up morphing a bit. And honestly, I think healthy visions do morph. They're, they're created in a way that allows for evolution based on not just external circumstances, but also how we change as human mm -hmm. beings. So I do find it very helpful to have a, a vision of what you want for a year, three years, five years, and allow that to be inspiring without it being something that's dictating how you have to act. I don't know if you're seeing this as well. I'm seeing kind of a, a push against traditionally like all of these like seven and eight figure coaches and influencers, people are really mm -hmm. like, yeah, but now like, what, what about like, is there another way to approach this? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just sensing that we're, we're having a paradigm shift in the coaching industry right now. And I think all the more reason why each one of us needs to be so clear on our personal and professional vision and what that looks like, and that your vision of success will look different than mine. And will look different than what maybe someone else on, on Instagram is saying. It's not that it's right or wrong. It's really about anchoring into what's going to work best for you. Again, if your vision is rooted in your values, if it's in a line with how you want to live your life, and if it is inspiring, I think you're on the right track. Okay. Lee, loving this. So you are fully inverted. By the way, I am definitely picking up on that as well anecdotally, personally, and from a client standpoint, not just newsfeed. I think that you're, you're, you're hitting the bullseye so strongly with this because typically when we set out to create the vision, create the dream, it starts with the material, right? It begins with the house, the car, the number, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and then we kind of work backward from there. Okay. That would be this many coaches, this many gigs, this many, blah, 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 blah. And we go through, we sort of map out this roadmap to achieving quote unquote success. And that, that's the classic to your point, seven, eight figure, blah, blah, influencer, Instagram crap. What I love about this is I had a, an experience. This reminds me of this. Uh, I guess it was maybe, it was probably, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Eight, nine months ago. And one of the gals who I really uh, was inspired by that's in the keynote speaking business you know, I, I saw her just speaking on these, these beautiful stadium stages and I was doing a stadium here and there, but she was clocking them in. Like, I was like, gosh, if I could only get to that level. And so we had coffee one day and I was like, do you mind me asking like, you know, how many stages, you know, how much are you making? How much are you charging? Can you just shoot me straight? Cause I really feel like the way you're operating 
is probably, I think, what I want to emulate. And it was so interesting because when she sort of peeled back the layers and allowed me in, it was so generous to be transparent and vulnerable. She said, you know, I'm making the money that I dreamed of. I'm on the stages I dreamed of. She said, but I feel like I'm falling short in so many other areas of my life. She said, my health has never suffered as much as it has. I feel disconnected from my children. I feel like I'm letting my partner down. And she went through this list of just sort of the trade-off. And, you know, she said, you know, I'm trying to have it all, but the reality is I don't think I defined what I wanted my everyday success to feel like. And I'm going through a radical reinvention process to discover that. And it hit me between the eyes because as I looked through my goals for 2023 this year, I've started off with the classic, but now I sort of inverted it. And so instead of like the to check off, to do, to accomplish, my list is more of like a to feel list. And yeah, and I have sort of these like three words that I really want to feel in my work, in my day. And I have an alarm that goes off three times a day, 8 a.m., 11, 11, and 5 p.m. And so far, I feel like there's a different infusion of those, those emotions. And so I'm, I'm doing an experiment. I'm trying to reverse engineer uh, sort of those classic goals, but I'm flipping it on its head sort of to your, to your advice, beginning with what does the everyday look like? What are the other success definitions? And at Success Magazine, we also have a lot of coaching programs and we talk about this a lot. And I think it really bears repeating to like really sit down and say like, it's, you know, it's Wednesday at 10 a.m. in February. How are you feeling? What are you doing? Where are you? And then allow the space, the car, the numbers to sort of support the experience and the emotions rather than the inverse, which to your point, it really is a big shift from how it's traditionally been approached. I love how you have defined that. I think, yes, we can have that macro level vision that guides us, but I'm really hearing you talk about the micro level day to day. What do I want my life to look like and feel like Mm -hmm. and allowing that to guide us just as much as this big vision. And I think as we're, we're thinking about these things, we need to be really clear on what our personal success metrics are. What are we measuring that will indicate that we're achieving that vision or that we're successful. And I've been guilty of making it almost exclusively work-related in the past, you know, revenue and followers and number of clients and all of that. And this year it's my success metrics are very different. It's how many books have I read? How many Mm -hmm. dates have I gone on with my husband? All of these kinds of things, again, looking for that pleasure and trusting that when I'm able to bring more pleasure in, and that connects very much to how do I want to feel, then everything else is going to take care of itself. Yes, I've got to put the work in. Of course, we've got to show up and do the thing, but I'm approaching it from a completely different foundation. It sounds like you are too, which is why I'm so excited to see what 2023 brings. Mm. Amen, sister. Well, Lee, I am just, what a joy to meet you today. And thank you for sharing your perspective, your strategies, your wisdom, your vibe. Really appreciate you taking this moment and just being so open. And it was just so lovely to have you on the show. Where can we get more of Lee? Should we go to, it's coachwithclarity.com. And then you said you have something that you're working on. Is that right? 
Yeah. So January 17th through the 23rd is the coach with clarity kickstart bundle. So it's 29 of my closest friends and me offering products and resources to help you build, grow, and scale a profitable and fulfilling coaching practice. So there's five different categories, one of which is wellness and self-care because we need to be prioritizing ourselves and our little luxuries every day. Uh, But it's really designed to help coaches hit the next level in their business uh, without sacrificing their their personal time as well. So that's at coachwithclaritybundle.com. You can learn more about that and it's available from the 17th to the 23rd of January. And again, coachwithclarity.com is the hub for all things Coach With Clarity. So my podcast, my book, all of that good stuff. I have so enjoyed our conversation today. This has just lit me up and motivated me. And these are the conversations that give me life. So it has been such an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Lee. Let's stay in touch. And I cannot wait to check out this bundle. It sounds fabulous. So have a fabulous rest of your day, rest of your January, rest of your year. And thank you again. You are just a light. So I really appreciate you. Thanks, Erin. Thanks so much. Well, friends, I hope that you are feeling calm, clear, centered, and quite frankly, pumped up to dive into this new year with renewed enthusiasm, with a clear focus on who you are, who you are becoming, and how you can best serve the ones in this world who need you most. You can get more from Lee over at coachwithclarity.com. And in the meantime, friends, happy new year to you, because today is the day to live life more fully on your terms. That is my hope. I am sending you love and light, and I hope to see you again very soon.